Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Cheeseheads. Cheeseheads. Get on your feet. It's Curd and Law. Hosted by Sparky Fighter and Ryan Horvath. Uh, okay, so let's talk about uh, this podcast, Play Callers, before we get to the training camp stuff. Obviously, because Ryan Wood is there every day and can tell us all about what he's seeing. But I was listening to this podcast, Play Callers. I've never heard of it, whatever, just stumbled upon it. And Jordan Rodriguez, who she's very, very good. And it's all about McVeigh and Shanahan and that whole tree. And you don't realize how many of their people that have been influenced by them are really on every team across the league. Like every team has somebody seemingly on their offensive staff that has been attached or coached under Shanahan or Ryan, uh, uh, Ryan Wood. Yeah. Or Sean McVay at this point. And then LaFleur for the Packers, you have Art Smith, uh, the head coach of the Falcons, Nathaniel Hackett, which he may not want to own up to now at this point anyhow, but you still have to attach him to to Matt LaFleur and Hackett and the job that he's done with play calling. So he's got his own little tree growing uh, as well. When they hired Matt LaFleur, a lot of us didn't really know much. His offense wasn't that good in Tennessee. If you remember that that year, they were like 26th or something like that coming from Tennessee. Uh, and it was a big unknown. Murphy, oh, I'm sold on him. Like, like this is my guy. Da, 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 da. Okay, fine. We'll see. Rodgers obviously didn't know anything about him. I don't think either had to be sold on him. What have you learned about Matt LaFleur, uh, the coach, the dude, since they brought him in that first day when you first had that introductory press conference to kind of where you are now with Matt LaFleur and kind of maybe how he's changed and progressed along the way? Well, I guess the first thing I should say is that we're about to learn a whole lot more about Matt LaFleur than we knew in the first four seasons because this is his offense now, right? And he's couched it as it's not that much different than before. It's still – being a quarterback friendly, which is what it was with Aaron Rodgers, it's going to be with Jordan Love, but it was it, it was way more of a collaboration with Aaron Rodgers and his whatever it was, thirteen years of experience in the NFL, bringing that institutionalized knowledge and and molding that into a collaboration. Then it's going to be now. I mean, th- this is Matt Lafleur's handpicked guy in Jordan Love. He's the guy that he's been able to groom for three years to his playbook specifications. We're about to learn a whole lot more about Matt LaFleur. But as far as him as a coach and what we've seen so far, he's a really energetic guy. He's very hands-on in practice uh, all over the place. He's a guy I think players genuinely like a lot because he brings that energy every day. Uh, He's gotten so much more comfortable in what is an underrated but still pretty important part of his job, which is being the public face of the Green Bay Packers. You're the head coach. 
you talk to the media more than anybody in, in the building. It's every day during the season. And he's got, you know, you go back to his introductory press conference. I remember a couple of years ago talking to him about it. Deer in headlights. It, it was he. It, it, it was new because he'd never done that before. He always right. been an assistant and then a coordinator. Well, he did it a lot better than Nick Sirianni did at his introductory press conference. That I do know for sure. He's got a lot more comfortable there. So, you know, as far as a personality, he's got a personality that that would lend itself to being a player's coach. He very much believes in not pushing his players too hard. He, he he's very mindful of attrition during the season. That's why we, you know, training camp practices are not what they used to be in Green Bay or really around the NFL with the new CBA, but especially in Green Bay, he's very mindful of that. A new wrinkle this year is, and this is something I asked him. Love he, it. he said he, he brings back from from his days with Arthur Smith and, and, and the Atlanta Falcons, but he's he's having a competition period in practice where whoever wins or loses that whoever loses that day, the offense or defense has to do a punishment, a calisthenic punishment that is determined by the other side. So if the offense loses and it's lo- it lost the first six practices and finally won the seventh, if the offense loses, the defense says, okay, 20 push-ups or 10 up-downs. We hadn't seen that in the first three years. That, that That's something that's very new. So uh, he's a guy that's adaptable. He, he, he will – learn as he goes along and he'll add new things. He's not afraid of adding new things to the mix. Um, so the, he, he's not, he's not rigid, which is probably a good thing for a head coach because as you know, from year one to where he is now, there's a lot more information that he has. Now, how will he use that? How will he employ that now that this is really his offense fully that that's going to be fascinating to see. This is the great thing. So they interview LaFleur in this play callers thing. And she talks about the fact that, she went to Green Bay to do this podcast and interview him about all this different stuff. And on his desk, I've never been in the man's office, but on his desk, he's got two full curved, huge like computer screens. And then he's got the projection like wall screen or whatever he's got up on his wall uh, as well. And I, he let her, I guess, or she could see from the other side of the desk. I'm not sure how it all played out, but she could see that on the screens, he had cutups of the Niners the Dolphins, the Chiefs, all these different offenses right there. And then he could play them up there and look at different play concepts and everything else. And he he pretty much just said, hey, man, I'm not against stealing. Like, I'm not holier than thou. If I see something that works for somebody else, I'll put it in and I'll use it. And I draw inspiration from everybody else's offenses and what they do well. I thought that was a pretty cool way of kind of letting us in a little bit on Matt LaFleur. Maybe McCarthy had the same thing when he was in Green Bay. I don't know. But it kind of gives you an idea of these younger coaches just always in it, no matter what is going on. Because now I can envision myself in the offseason, him just kind of going through everybody's seasons last year, kind of looking at different play schemes and stuff like that, that he could make work with Luke Musgrave. You know, before he didn't have a Luke Musgrave with his blazing speed at tight end that he had to worry about. Maybe that's where the Kansas City Chiefs offense and what they do with Kelsey maybe comes in with what he wants to do with Musgrave. Who knows? I like that, though, because that means he's not going to get stale. He's not going to get set in his ways and refuse to change. He's constantly going to be trying to change things up. That's the epitome of what we always say, which is that the NFL is a copycat league. I think every coach, to some extent, is wired that way. And is all. And Matt LaFleur has said before that he is very open to stealing what works. And he, he's very in tune with what is being run around the league, especially from an offensive side, because that's the side of the ball that he came up in and, and still controls. He'll he'll steal anything, and 
that's I, I don't think that's unique to him. I think that's how coaches in this league operate because again, it's a copycat league. But uh, you know, when he's when when he has uh, the developmental projects, some are are self scout. Some some are literally scouting what he what, what his team does. How if they were going to draw a game plan against his own team, how would they do that? What are the strengths? What are the weaknesses? And some are what what are teams around the league running? What are what's the new innovations around the league from an offensive defensive schematic standpoint? He's very in tune with that stuff.